on the screens as well um, to Isaiah 53, verse 11. And uh, if someone could give me something to drink, I'm like sweating like crazy in here. Say, well, you have a little microwave in your arms there. Isaiah 53, 11, um, it says, after his anguish, he will see light and he will be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant, my righteous servant will justify many and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion and he will receive the mighty as spoil because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. This is God's word. So um, it's Christmas Eve, and uh, for three weeks we've been looking at the Messiah um, in Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet um, who, who's prophesying uh, 700 years before. Thank you so much. 700 years before um, the Christmas story and, and Jesus Shows up. So we're just been working through his different prophecies, his different um, oracles to help us understand. Okay, when angels show up to, to Mary and Joseph and, and Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and Anne and Simeon, they, they see the baby in the temple. What are they thinking? Like, what's what's going on for them? And, and so we want our expectation to be the same as theirs, right? We don't want a different to think different things than they thought about um, the, the prophecy. So the first week we looked at Isaiah 4, 7, 9, and 11, and we saw that Isaiah, Isaiah's Messiah, uh, he's divine, right? He's, he's from heaven, he, he's virgin born, but he's also human. He, he comes from Canaan, and his birth signals to the people of Israel that God's not forgotten them. Which is really important because it looks like he has. And this child coming says, no, I'm still committed um, to the promises I've made to you, even though you guys are being rebellious turds right now. And through his reign of, of this child, uh, uh, the reign of David's son over the throne of Jacob, peace will come to Jerusalem and it will extend to the ends of the earth. That's what Isaiah tells them. The second week we looked at Isaiah 2 and, and Isaiah 30 and saw that Isaiah's Messiah is, is a teacher. Okay, patterned after the king in Deuteronomy um, 17, and because he delights in the law of God, he leads the people in it, and blessing comes to them, but he's also a healer, right? He's going to be the one who will bind up Israel's wounds for the final time, for the hands of the king are the hands of a healer, and so shall the rightful king be known. And then this week, Isaiah 40 through 53, not all selected, right? Not the whole. Could be cool, right? Um, we'll see that Isaiah's Messiah is a servant, both to the Lord's servant, Israel, and to all you Gentiles out there this morning. Okay, so uh, first, who is the Lord's servant? Who has God chosen to bless the nations? Well, in Isaiah, it's pretty clear who God's servant is, but it might be surprising to you. So we'll just work through um, some passages. Isaiah 41, verse 8, he says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, I said to you, you are my servant and I have chosen you. So who is the servant of the Lord? Israel, Jacob, the descendants of Abraham, Isaiah 43. Now, this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, you are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen. So who's the Lord's servant? Israel, right? Not a trick question, it's just what it says, right? The Israel is the Lord's servant. Isaiah 44. And now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, this is the word of the Lord, your maker, the one who formed you from the womb as the firstborn son. He will help you. Don't fear, Jacob, my servant, and Jeshurun, 
pet name for Jacob, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Isaiah 45, I call you by your name for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen one. So according to Isaiah, who's the servant of the Lord? Israel. Yeah, Israel's the servant of the Lord. This collective whole of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, the tribe of Jacob, this is the Lord's servant. And so when Isaiah's prophesying these things, he's not just making stuff up from scratch, okay? He just believes God's promise, an everlasting covenant to Abraham, okay? So if you don't know the story, um, in the beginning, God made everything and it was awesome, right? He says this, very good, I like, oh. Very good, okay? Genesis 3, uh, there's uh, rebellion from uh, the, the serpent, the devil, and then human beings join that rebellion. And then God says, this is very bad. I've got to fix it, okay? I'm going to fix what went wrong here in Genesis 12. God calls one guy named Abram, who's a pagan idol worshiper, and he says, Abraham, through you, all the nations will be blessed. Through your family, I'm going to fix stuff. Okay, so we'll just... Um, read that here, Genesis 12, that God chose, God elected uh, Abram and his descendants for a task, for a role, uh, for a ministry, for a, a service, all right, to do a service for the whole world. So Genesis 12, he says, Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And what will Abraham's crew do? You will be a blessing, right? The curse came, but you guys, through you, Blessing will come. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And then all the peoples of the earth, okay, the Gentiles, y'all, okay, (laughs) will be blessed. How? Through you, right? Through Abraham's family. One family, one collective servant to bless all the peoples of the earth. So by God's choice, God's decree, Israel is the Lord's servant. Jacob is God's chosen vehicle to mediate blessing uh, and be a light to the nations. I think Ryan's on security. If you want my whole sermon, just look at the back of his shirt this morning. Right? He's got it there uh, in graphic form. So one family, one people, one tribe, blessing all the families. We read this last week, Isaiah chapter 2. Uh, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established. All the nations will stream to it. To this place and instruction will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, right? Through you, all the families will be blessed. So this is the forever role of Israel, of of Jerusalem. Uh, uh, John chapter four, Jesus says, don't you know salvation's from the Jews, right? It, It comes from them. So Romans 11, Paul says the gifts and the callings, okay? The election, the choosing of Israel, it's irrevocable. Do you know what that means? It cannot be taken away. It cannot be changed or messed with or reinterpreted or reimagined. It's forever. Okay? So Isaiah is just saying, yeah, Israel is the Lord's servant, called, chosen to mediate blessing to all the nations of the earth. But there's a really big uh, problem in the story. Israel in Isaiah's day is not fulfilling their role. Okay, through their disregarding of God's ways, through their disregarding of God's laws, through the hardening of their hearts, just saying, no, not going to do it. They're not being light to the nations. They're not doing, you know, Matthew 5. They're not a city on a hill that they are chosen to be. Instead, they've become blind and deaf and dumb, and they're just not doing the thing. So Isaiah 42, he says, who is blind but my servant? 
or, or deaf like my messenger? Who is blind like the servant of the Lord? Who's blind like Israel? Right? They're supposed to bring light to the nations, but it would be the blind leading the blind. And when that happens, both fall in a ditch, right? So this is bad news, right? And it's really bad news first for God. Okay? Like it's bad news for the God of Israel, for Yahweh, if Israel's not functioning in their collective role as the, the Lord's servant, God's word is tarnished. Okay? It's a very important point. If they're not doing what they're called to do, it's very bad for the word of the Lord. He chose, he promised that they would be his servant, they would bless the nations. They're not doing it. Okay? Therefore, word on the street is, among the other nations of the earth, that the God of Israel is not faithful to his covenant. He's not faithful to his word, either because he's finicky, right, or and a liar, or he's just not powerful enough to complete it. You see what I'm saying? Like that Yahweh looks really bad in, in, in Israel's doing it. So it's a big problem. So it's bad news for God, but it's also bad news for Israel that they're not doing their job. God, God promised, chose, commanded them, you guys bless the nations, and in disobedience, they're not doing it. And in, in the Torah, Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy, God lays out curses for them that will come upon them if they're disobedient, if they don't walk in, the, as, in their calling. Okay, so bad news for God, because he looks, you know, bad news for Israel, because judgment will come. And further, it's bad news for the nations. Okay, how are the nations to receive blessing if the servant keeps fumbling the ball? Just bad news all around. And Isaiah is prophesying, right? He, he, he is saying the word of the Lord. And it's into this bad news about the Lord's corporate servant, Israel, that Isaiah begins announcing good news of the Lord's individual servant, the, the Messiah. OK, so I'm going to do this a lot through the next 20 minutes. OK, the Lord's collective servant, Israel, and then the individual servant from within the servant. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, it's Christmas Eve. You got other things on your mind today. Don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. So the Lord is going to send a servant to the servant so that the servant can bless the nations. Does that make sense? All right. Cool. So watch how Isaiah. Uh, and I, I didn't write this. This is this is not my story. I did not write this story. I would do it very differently from God. It's just. We have to do what this says, okay? We have to, all right. So, Isaiah 49, the Lord called me before I was born. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. So you're reading and you're hearing Isaiah and you're like, oh yeah, the collective servant. He's been talking about the whole time, but Isaiah keeps going, verse five. He says, and now uh, the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant and to do what? What's the task of the servant that Isaiah is talking about now? His job is to bring Jacob, the collective servant, back to him so that Israel, that collective servant, might be gathered to the Lord. Right. So you're reading this. I thought I thought the servant was Israel. So Israel's going to gather Israel. And you started like, what? What's going on? OK, so what the Lord is doing through this confusing oracle is he's pointing to an individual servant within the collective servant. Who will rescue and restore the collective servant, right? One from among you will serve you. 
so you can bless the nations. Does that make sense? Okay, so one from within Israel will restore Israel. That's the job, that's the role, that's the task of the individual servant raised up among the people. Verse 6, he says, it's not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob, restoring the protected ones of Israel. And then, after he rescues them and restores them, he'll then lead them in their role, right? Which is, what's their role? Through you, all the nations will be blessed. So he says, I will also make you a light for the nations to bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So this messianic individual servant serves Israel, serves the collective servant so that they can perform their task from Genesis 12. And so Isaiah 2 can come to pass that all the nations will stream. The word of the Lord will go out and all nations will be blessed. Clear as mud. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. This is the expectation um, during the, the, the lifetime of Jesus. They're waiting for, they're expecting uh, a messianic servant from among their own people um, to do lots of things that we've already seen in Isaiah. And we're going to look at more things, uh, like lots of things. Um, but also they're looking for the guy from within their ranks who will bring Israel, who will bring Jacob back to God so that they can do what God called them to do, what God commanded them to do. He is supposed to restore Israel so that Israel can bless the world. Okay, so Gabriel comes to um, uh, Joseph, right? Gabriel's an angel. And in your Bible, every time Gabriel shows up, the only time Gabriel shows up is if something that has to do with the covenant to Abraham or the covenant to David's about to happen. So if you see Gabriel, you see the angel Gabriel, like, okay, Covenant, God's promises to the people, something here. So Matthew chapter 1, the angel comes, he says, Joseph, son of David, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, which means God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph, like, oh yeah, we do need saved from our sins. Why? Well, one, so we can inherit eternal life. That's the big one, right? He will save them from their sins so that they can live forever. But second, he will save them from their sins so that they can function in their role. So they can do their job and that all the nations can be blessed, right? They have to be healed and saved from their blindness. So it's not the blind leading the blind, but it's those whose eyes have been opened. Then doing another servant song in Isaiah, opening the eyes of the blind, healing uh, the, the lame and, and the sick and all the stuff. Okay, so Gabriel comes, Joseph's like, that's what Isaiah said. That's what we need. Okay, Elizabeth um, comes to Mary. Elizabeth, John the Baptist, um, mom, she comes to Mary. Jesus, mom, and uh, their babies start dancing. You heard the story? Baby leaps in the womb. Okay, it's a very cool story. You should read it. All right. Um, and, and so Mary hears this announcement about John the Baptist and at birth and about uh, Jesus birth. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Right. Isaiah. Right. He has helped. Verse 54. He has helped through the birth of this child. He has helped his servant Israel. Remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors, right? So the angelic announcement's happening, Elizabeth, Mary, that whole um, conversation, and, and that Mary's going, oh yeah, Genesis 12, the blessing of all the nations through Abraham's seed, it's on. It's going to happen, right? And we've been waiting for, you know thousands of years we've been waiting for this guy to arrive and, and hope starting to waver a little bit. Okay. 
which is just normal. It's not, it's not unique to um, these people. It's, it's, it's everybody, hope wavers. And I, I think about uh, that we're in this facility a lot. Because, you know, I started going to this church in fourth grade in 2004. And since then, they're like, oh, we're going to build a new building someday. And since 2004, I've been like, okay. You know, and that's like 20 years. They've been waiting thousands of, of years. And, and also, it's really cool. It's our first Christmas Eve in here. Tonight will be cool. Um, so anyway, the announcement comes about the birth, and they're like, yeah, Genesis 12. We have to be restored so the nations can be um, blessed. They, they bring baby Jesus to the temple for his circumcision. Which we don't cover that in the Advent sermons a lot, okay? But <laughs> big part of the story. Um, and so they bring the baby, and Simeon's in the temple, Luke 2.25. What's his expectation? Well, Simeon was righteous and devout, and he's looking forward to what? To Israel's consolation, to the servant being uh, consoled because they have a role to keep and they're not keeping it. So he's like, do that thing, God, send the servant to the servant so we can bless the nations. And the Holy Spirit was on him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah, which is very cool. Okay, and the Messiah is God's anointed king who will bring consolation, who will restore, who will... uh, um, Bless. So, guided by the Spirit, Simeon entered the temple, and when the parents brought in the child to do the thing, Simeon took him up in his arms, which tells you Simeon's an awesome guy, right? Like, big guys who grab a little kid, like, oh, good guy, right? Praise God, and he said, now, Master, to the Lord, you can dismiss your servant, because I'm part of Israel, right? Your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Because I'm holding the little guy. You have prepared it in the presence of all the peoples. Verse 32, very important. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, to all the nations of the earth, and glory to who? To your people Israel. Yeah, so this guy is going to do both of the things, right? Restore, gather, bring Jacob back, and bless the nations. Look, that's huge, okay? And then uh, Anna is in the temple as as well. What's she expecting? Rachel, did you hear this Anna stuff like nine million times over the last six months? I'll bet you did. Anna did not leave the temple serving God day and night with fasting and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up when the, the baby comes in. She came up and she began to thank God and to speak about how uh, about Jesus to all who were looking forward to what? To the redemption of Jerusalem, which is Isaiah 52, the servant will restore and gather and beautify Jerusalem, right? Like she's just, oh, the baby, that's Isaiah 52. Everyone come here, the guy, he's here, right? Like everyone knows that this is what the servant within the servant is supposed to do. And then Jesus says it himself, okay? Matthew chapter 15, Jesus just flat out says, guys, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why? To do Isaiah 49, 6, for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. Okay, does this make sense? This is not the Christmas Eve sermon I wanted to preach, I promise, right? I was like, got in here, I started working through, I was like, oh, this is what we have to talk about. You know, <laughs> you know I, can we just do the little kids thing again, two times? The expectation of the wayward corporate servant as that the Lord would raise up from within them an individual messianic servant to save, 
restore, bring them back to their original call to be a light to the nations. This is like this is what Isaiah foretold. This is what God is committed to doing. This is why Christmas happened. Okay, like this is what's going on. So the question is, how's he going to do it? How's the individual servant going to rescue the collective servant so they can bless the nations? Like, what's the means by which this will happen? How's Israel going to be restored and walk in their calling? Isaiah tells us, okay? So we're starting Isaiah 51. He says, for the Lord will comfort Zion. He will make her wilderness like Eden, right? To Genesis 1, when it was good, before the curse happened. He's going to make the wilderness like Eden. And joy and gladness will be found in her. And the ransomed of the Lord, right? Those who are brought back by the servant, the ransom of the Lord will return. They will come to Zion with singing, crowned with unending joy. And joy and gladness will overtake them. And, and you've had sorrow overtake you before, right? It just hits you and like you, all, all, you break down all the stuff. You, so, okay, so imagine that, but with joy. Joy overtakes you um, and then sorrow and sighing flee away. Isaiah 51 into Isaiah 52. Be joyful, rejoice together, you ruins of Jerusalem. Then he tells them how they're going to rejoice and how this will happen. Isaiah 52 verse 13. This will happen because see, my servant will be successful. So Israel, Jacob, the servant, will be delivered through the success of the servant. Okay? But it doesn't come without cost. So if you've grown up in church, or if you can do basic math, you know what comes after Isaiah 52. Isaiah 53. Which tells us how the servant will save the servant, so the servant can bless the nations. The servant grew up before Israel like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him. No appearance that we should desire him. Right? He's a country bumpkin from Galilee. Right? Dr. Harrigan went over this with it. Like, Galilee is like, uh, you know, Blackwell. Right? And, <laughs> and the Blackwell person shows up and we're all like, just kidding. If you're watching online, we love you, Blackwell. Okay. But he's a country bumpkin. You know, like Jesus talks funny. Peter talks funny. These guys are, 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 are not the, the uh, elite. Okay. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him. No appearance that we should desire him. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone who turned pe- people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. And who's the we when Isaiah is speaking? Who's we? Israel, we, we, we didn't value him. We didn't recognize, understand, embrace him um, as the servant to us. So God's sending them a servant. He's sending the servant a servant, and yet he's going to be despised by his own. Verse 4, yet, in spite of, uh, of their devaluing and rejecting of him, yet he himself bore our sicknesses. And who's the R in Isaiah? Israel. He's bearing our sicknesses. He carried... Our pains, I'll get to that. We're, yeah, we'll, Gentiles will rejoice in all of this, but <laughs> don't skip ahead. Our pains, but we, Israel, in turn, we regarded him stricken and struck down by God and afflicted, right? They're looking, and spoiler, this is Jesus, he's on the cross, right? <laughs> okay, he's afflicted. But, verse 5, the servant was pierced because of our rebellion. Who's the wayward servant? Who's blind and deaf and dumb and disobedient? The servant, right? 
Because of our rebellion, he was crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He's the one who's going to bring healing and restoration to us. Verse six, we all went astray like sheep. We've all turned to our own way. But the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was just real. Joe's not here to tell us this because Joe always loves to talk about this is 700 years before the Jesus event, guys. This is this is way before the cross, and Isaiah is just like, bam, 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 bam. Like, that's why I, one reason I trust the Bible's worth giving and, and believing and, and relying on is because you don't prophesy this, and then it happened just like it did unless you're of the Lord. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like sheep. Silent before her shearies, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment, and then he was cut off from the land of the living. Say he died. The servant died. He was killed, put in a tomb. He was struck. Why? Because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, though he himself was not wicked. This is wrong. This is this is uh, uh, unjust. And the point Isaiah is making, the point, the birth of Jesus and the, and the life of Jesus and the cross of Jesus and, and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. What this is telling us is that God is so committed to the covenant, so committed to what he spoke to that guy out in the wilderness, to Abraham thousands of years before, so committed to his words, so committed to this family walking in their calling that he was pleased to crush the individual servant on their behalf. Verse 10, yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. So Jacob, Israel, they've gone astray, yet the Lord's servant stands in on their behalf, verse 6, and takes their punishment our wounds our transgressions our iniquities okay so the individual servant isaiah says again long before he shows up isaiah says he's going to be crushed on behalf of his people okay but he's not just a suffering and dying servant he is a rising servant And he will see the seed of Abraham walk in their calling and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah keeps going. When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days and by his hand, the Lord's pleasure and the Lord's pleasure is that the nations would be blessed. This is the heart of God, right? He's not like, oh, Genesis three happened. The the rebellion happened. That stinks. You know, it's like, no, all the nations will be blessed. Eden will cover the earth. I'm committed to it. The Lord's pleasure will be accomplished because after his anguish of the servant, he will see light and be satisfied. He will suffer for sin and then he will rise in glory. Just like Jesus told the guys on the road to Emmaus, right? So Jesus has lived, he's died, he's done the cross thing. There's two guys walking on the road. Jesus is in disguise or something. I don't know why they can't recognize him. And they're sad. They're so sad. And Jesus you know, sidles up to them and he says, why are you guys so sad? Like, what, 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 what's, why the long face? And they said, don't you know? He says, know what? You know, 
<laughs> no, you know, no what? And they said, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, this, this guy who was attested as the Messiah with signs and wonders and miracles. And he spoke with authority. Our chief priests and our elders killed him and they put him in the tomb. And we thought, they say, they say, we thought that he was the one who would bring redemption to Jerusalem. We thought he was the guy, but he, he was he was killed. And Jesus says to them, haven't you read Isaiah Haven't you guys read, oh, slow of heart and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken, right? Which includes the glory of the servant and the the, the, the resurrection of the servant. But that includes the suffering servant. Haven't you guys read that after his anguish, he will see light? After his suffering, he will see glory. He will be satisfied. And by his knowledge, verse 11, my righteous servant... My righteous servant will justify many and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion of his inheritance. He will receive the mighty as a spoil. Right? All the nations will be his. Okay, because he willingly submitted to death. Philippians 2. Therefore, because he's acted in this way, been obedient unto that. Therefore, God has highly exalted him above all names. And every name, every knee should bow in heaven, on the earth, under the earth will bow and recognize him as king of kings and lord of lords. Why? Because he willingly submitted to death for others. He was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. It's awesome. That is awesome. Isaiah's Messiah is a servant who comes to bear sin for the nation that's turned away. All of us like sheep. Have gone astray, Isaiah says, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Israel and Jacob will be brought back, will be restored to their calling through the servant's blood. The servant will be restored through the servant's blood. And so this is what the birth of Jesus is telling us. This is what the life and and death and cross and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. This is what it signals to the Israelites with faith. Joseph and Mary, the the child comes, he does his thing. And they're like, I've read this before. We've read this in the synagogue many times. Zechariah and Elizabeth, Anna and Simeon, the disciples, the, the apostles, they're seeing the life of Jesus. They're following him. They're giving their life to him. And they're thinking, oh, yeah, one of our own, a servant within the servant will call us back to God's instruction. We'll bring comfort to Zion. We'll bring justice to the nations. And he, through his blood, will save us from our sins. We haven't sung it yet this Christmas Advent season, but this is the song, right? Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation. Israel's strength and consolation. Hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation. Joy, right? Like this, this is who he is, okay? Born thy people to deliver. And so Jesus says as much, right? Jesus is living and teaching and he's doing his thing. And, and right before the cross, he says as much. Matthew 20, 28. Jesus says, I, the Isaiah 53, servant who will bear the iniquity of the people. I'm the guy for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many at the, the last um, cedar meal, Matthew twenty six twenty eight, to pour out his blood of the covenant. Right. Confirming Abraham's promise, confirming David's promise for the forgiveness of their sins. 
This is the expectation. This is what's happening. And so Paul, a guy who comes several years after the, the Jesus event, this is what he said. Romans 15, verse 8. He says, I tell you this, the Messiah has... So through his incarnation and life and death and, and, and resurrection, the whole bit, the Messiah has become a servant to who? To the Jews. He's become a servant to the servant. Okay, why? To show that God is faithful to his word. Confirming, confirming the truth and the reliability of the promises made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. This is what the servant is doing, okay? Through the servant's work that Isaiah prophesied about, Israel can know, hey, the covenant's intact. Though we have royally messed this thing up. The covenant is intact. God's servant will be brought back. And Israel will bless all the families of the earth. Genesis 12 is not undone. God's still committed to it, okay? And the reason we know God's committed to it is because the servant's work made sure of it, okay? So, now we get to rejoice, you Gentiles. That the servant has acted on behalf of the servant is good news for you, Gentiles. So Paul keeps going. I tell you this, the Messiah has become a servant to the Jews to show that God is faithful to his word and, and to the patriarchs. So that, verse 9, so that, why did God do this? So that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Right? The good news has come to us through the Jew. And therefore, if we believe it, right, if we put our trust in the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and I don't care what your sins are, how long you've been living in them, whatever, if you put your, your trust in his cross, in the servant's suffering for the forgiveness of your sins, and you put your trust in his resurrection as the guarantee of your resurrection on the last day, Paul says you can rejoice with his people. You can be glad and happy that the gospel has come to you. Verse 10. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. You Gentiles, with the servant people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him. And what are we praising him for? We're praising him for the work of the servant. We're praising God that he's committed to what he promised in Genesis 3, that the serpent's head would be crushed. What he promised in Genesis 12, that all the nations would be blessed through the seed of Abraham. We we're, we're praising him because of the promise to David that a son of David would sit on the throne and, and reign over the house of Jacob and of Israel forever and govern all the nations in righteousness. And we praise him for the blood of his cross, the blood of his covenant. Not just for Israel's sins, but for our sins. This is the teaching of Jesus, that whoever puts their trust in him will not perish, but will live forever. Be raised from the dead. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. Right? Doesn't do Genesis 3 and throw it away. But that the world might be saved through him. Rejoice, you Gentiles. Rejoice. <laughs> Robert, would you come help us, please? Verse 12, again, Isaiah says, which the, the letter to the Romans is just like Isaiah. <laughs> the whole thing. 
Again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, so one from among, right? The root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. And the Gentiles will hope in him. And that's why you're here today. Even if you don't know it, like that's, that's why you, with the, you know, whatever you're, of those nations that were scattered in Genesis 11, through grace, through God's kindness, through God's commitment to the covenant, um, this news has come to you. And you have to respond to it. Okay? That's the point of news. Not that you just hear it and go, that's interesting. The point of news is to bring a, a response. Okay? And the response, again, is to repent of your sins. Right? If you're going this way, the, the wide road that leads to death, to repent is to turn on the narrow path that leads to life. Put your trust in the cross of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll actually be forgiven. Okay? Your slate will actually be wiped clean. And at the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, when you stand before God, right? And you're going to give an account for your life, Romans 2, the deeds done in the body. It's bad news for all of us. But the cross says that he's put on him the iniquity of us all. And so if you respond to the news with repentance and trust in the cross, on the day... You'll be pardoned, counted clean, and you will enter life. You'll be raised from the dead to live forever. Sorrow and sighing will flee. Uh, big feast, well-aged wine, fatty meats, all the stuff. And all you'll know is life and joy and peace forever and ever and ever and ever. That's if you respond to it. If you don't respond to it, condemnation on the day is yours. And so I'm pleading with you on behalf of the servants to put your trust in him. And if you have questions about how to do that, like, okay, what do I do? Uh, members of Christian Life Church, can you guys raise your hand? If you're a mem- so these are our members. They can tell you how to put your trust in Jesus, how to repent of your sins, how to follow Jesus, the whole bit. Okay, or you can talk to me or any of our any of our other elders, but don't leave here today not putting your trust in Jesus. That's folly. The root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. And then Paul finishes with this, that now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you believe in the work of the servant on the servant's behalf. And the work of the servant on your behalf, right? As you, as you believe in the promises and the blessing flowing to all the nations. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Um, Father, we uh, trust you, um, God, with history like you've. You've made promises in history to Abraham, to David, to the prophets. You've made promises, and Christmas tells us that they're true, that you haven't forgotten the covenant. You're committed to it. You're faithful to it. Your word is sure. And so I ask that we would rejoice in it today. We would rejoice in your commitment to your people today that has brought 
blessing to us and, and life to us and will bring life to us. God, I ask you that um, the Holy Spirit would, would come now on us. And he would do what Jesus said he would do. He would convict the world concerning sin and unrighteousness. He would remind us of everything Jesus taught. And he would turn hearts to him. And that the Gentiles would hope in him. And we'd, get, we'd, we'd align our story with your story. What you're doing in the world. In the name of Jesus. Everyone said...